0: We should drink every time I say that. Turn this into a It's five o'clock somewhere. Welcome to the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm John. Join us as we dive into topics you need to know about to become a better developer. Hey, welcome to React Native Nerds, episode number four. I'm Jonathan Wheat, and joining me as always from the storm capital of the East Coast, Spencer <laughs> Carley. I mean, I, hey John, I guess it's not you? getting slammed as bad as a, Alabama, um, right. but are yeah, you in pretty... line for that Cristobal
1: thing? I don't know. I hadn't even heard of that.
0: Oh, okay. I guess that's a tropical storm that's slamming the deep south right now.
1: Okay. Yeah. So far, we don't have anything. Um, it's just been hot the last few days. Summer's here.
0: Well, that's good. I guess uh, it's not the storm capital anymore.
1: Right. Not this week. Or I guess not this morning. We should wait till the afternoon. Yeah. Sometimes it's <laughs> Florida-like <laughs> weather.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So what have you been up to this week?
1: Uh, Just kind of keeping it low-key and uh, just writing a lot of React Native code, working on that rebuild still, uh, writing tests, kind of just wrapping up that implementation. It's been interesting. Like, I basically rebuilt this entire app, 80% of it, in a week or two. But then this last 20% has just been dragging on, getting all these little features, these little intricacies done. It's taken a long time but making progress. How about you, what have you yeah. been up to?
0: It's that it's that eighty twenty rule, right? Exactly, It all yeah. goes real fast until the end and then you spend most of the time on that, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been good. Um, just been pretty low key for me as well. Um, I've actually been playing with React Native and nice. uh, version six two oh six two, playing around with that. I have a couple neat little ideas just to play around. So just, just doing that, trying to get a little more familiar with 6.2, especially for today's podcast because today we are talking about release 0.62. So I actually looked at the release notes, the change log, and it's actually up to 0.62.2. So if you're staying current, uh, there's actually a .2 release out now. You're using 6.2 then, I assume, with this rebuild?
1: Yeah, fortunately when I started this rebuild, 6.2 has already been out, Um, so I, I just got to get all that kind of for free without having to worry about the upgrade.
0: Oh, that's good. So there's a lot of really great features with the 6.2 release. Um, First of all, uh, first-class support for Flipper. And if you're curious what Flipper is, you must have just jumped in and started with this podcast because just last week we talked about Flipper and how amazing it is. Are you using that more now, especially with all these last-minute little tweaks and things?
1: Yeah, so it's an interesting thing. I've gotten so into my workflow of just using normal const.log to debug everything. I've got got a workflow that even though I've got all these powerful flipper tools available to me, I've unfortunately not found myself reaching for them because it's been that little bit of a just a change in my workflow where I'm not leveraging it as much as I want to. It's just one of those things Mm. like I need to open it up as soon as I start the app so I've got it available to me. So unfortunately, I haven't been using it as much as I want to.
0: Yeah, so you're just flipping over to the terminal.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Because those console logs do show up in flipper
1: right yeah exactly it's just like yeah just go for that you get everything you had before and then 10x that
0: yep yeah sounds like i'm a salesperson <laughs> right oh but you can get that in there it slices it dices it julianne's watch it cut through this tomato and still stay sharp enough to cut through this tin can <laughs>
1: wow that, that sounds
0: practiced. oh oh my gosh yeah yeah i may have used that once or twice but like Hopefully you remember the ginsu knife commercial, right?
1: No, I don't. No. I've never been to. Oh my god. Okay, so it's, do infomercials. Well, Let's see.
0: I'll laugh at my own joke. Then. <laughs> so there are, anyway, there are these crazy sharp knives. They would use them to cut through a tin can and then slice through tomatoes and they just sliced gorgeously through these tomatoes, meaning like you could cut just about anything with these and the right. ginsu knives. So, hopefully there's a listener out there that remembers the, those those <laughs> commercials. Maybe I'm totally dating myself as usual. Um but anyway, there is, you know, back to React Native. There is first-class support for Flipper. You don't have to do anything to have it hooked up. You launch your app, your simulator comes up, your emulator comes up, and you open up Flipper and it's instantly connected. And it's uh it's a really beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, it's If you use it, it's fantastic.
0: If you wanna know more about that, you can listen to episode number three. It's Mm -hmm. all about Flipper. And some of the struggles I had with it, trying to get it connected to an older app. Then there's also a new appearance module. The core functionality for that is to access user preferences. Right now they only have get color scheme. It allows you to access the supported color schemes for the app. So for example, if a user changes their phone Preferences to dark mode, then you don't have to specifically ask the user, "Do you want light mode or dark mode?" You can just go grab that setting and automatically change it. Um, it looks like they have this open-ended for access to other preferences. The values for those are just you know light, dark, and null. So if you don't, if you haven't specifically set a setting, then it'll come back as null, and you can decide what you want to do with you know in your app, which probably I would guess you'd want to default to light mode because that would be null. I guess that makes sense to just be light mode because you haven't specifically gone in and changed that, that setting. So when I was looking down through this, there's a listener. Basically, you can have that in your app, listening for these changes, these color scheme changes. So if your app is opened and the user happens to go change those preferences manually, then when they come back to your app, your app will change as well and this is also activated with um, sunset sunrise settings so if you have your your phone or your device set up to care about the time of day and changing your theme based on that this will automatically trigger kind of cool and so there's a hook to add and remove those listeners in your app i started saying that it's open-ended to um, add New preference listeners as well. I was reading through it, and it sounded really similar to accessibility info, which is another sort of module that you can add to access the different accessibility functionality. So, for example, if if you have text bold on, you know, you can care about that sort of stuff. So, it's almost parallel to that. Um, obviously, it's separate because you'd want to user preferences versus accessibility preferences, you know, you'd, you'd want to silo those mm-hmm. two things, but it looks pretty cool. And I'm looking forward to the different, you know, the different preference things that they're gonna be exposing in the next yeah. versions. I didn't look ahead to see if, if they have a roadmap for those. I actually don't know, does that even exist? Do you know? Do they have a, a roadmap for um, 3 I'm
1: sure they do. I, I'm not good about keeping up on the news of things, but they've got various, I think it's in like the GitHub, versions uh, repo for react native Uh, they keep track of that kind of stuff what's coming up okay Uh, yeah this appearance module looks really cool i mean that's something you know this goes for appearance accessibility uh, all those things like that's not something that i've been very good at thinking about as i'm developing apps so it's nice to see this api like you know the main app i work on it's it's blaring white it's pure fff in your hex (laughs) it's it's white <laughs> thinking about that like it, it it's as be, white as you yeah right yeah <laughs> theoretically people at night are going to be using this app it's a medical app they can be using it at, at any point so like i don't want to be melting their retinas if they're accessing the app in the middle of the night so it's something i've got this appearance uh, module available to me i need to start thinking about that in building this app and designing the app um, it's also one of those things where it just it brings a level of professionalism to react native as a whole because that's something users are expecting that you know all other apps especially apple apps are working based off of have you selected light mode or dark mode Uh, is it sunrise sunset all those different changes that you can have in your app we need to start bringing this on to i don't want to say like legitimize react native as you know built to build native apps but it's one of those things where we all need to start thinking about appearance just to make it with the platform better and then looking at accessibility to make our apps actually accessible to users who are using screen users or screen readers, whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, thinking about your hospital app, you know, it might not even be nighttime. They might just be walking into a dark room. You know, they walk in and patients mm-hmm. sleeping and the blinds are drawn and it's just dark in there and they have this, right? you know, 13,000 watt candle or candle watt, <laughs> you know, screen up. But I I agree about the legitimization uh, of React Native. You know, as they add these features, not only are they making it easier for developers, but it's just making it a more robust framework to build on. Mm -hmm. You know, I I just look forward to all the the new features and things. So I haven't ever, I'll just be transparent, I've never really dug through change log and that sort of thing. And I did for this podcast, I did the research, so you don't have to. And it was actually kind of fascinating. You know. Some of the stuff I will admit went straight over my head. Some of the stuff I was like, oh wow, why is that deprecated? You know, what does that mean? And so then I had to go Google some things and um, it's actually a really great way to learn more about the framework is to see what changes they mm-hmm. made and why you might actually want to use it. Like, you know, I went and read some pull requests and because I was thinking, well, why is that important? Or, you know, why was that replaced? You know, those types of things. So it was actually quite fascinating. And I will go try and find that roadmap uh, that you were talking about. And we'll post that in the show notes. So then, you know, everybody can sort of be on the same page with us to see what's coming down the pike. Yeah. Uh, the, the next big change uh, is related to um, what, are they, what are they calling it? The shrinking. Uh, lean core. Lean core. Yes, the lean core effort. So they've removed Apple TV support from the base install of React Native and extracted it out. Now it's a full fork of React Native with tweaks specifically for Apple TV. And so that just makes it easier for and smaller and tighter code for us as developers who aren't dealing Mm -hmm. with Apple TV. And so the footprint, I'm guessing just the footprint on your local machine, on your dev machine, you know, now does not have any of the Apple TV stuff. When you compile your app, it's not pulling in Apple TV support unless you specifically require it, right? Yeah, or import it. Okay.
1: Yeah, as far as I understand it. Yeah.
0: And um, so the cool thing about this is it's in the React Native community repo, which is really amazing. You guys need to go dive GitHub on that because there's some great, great packages in there. So it's uh, react-native-tvos, and that's in the show notes as well. So if you're developing for Apple TV, you can just, you know, pull this in. The releases are coinciding with core React Native. So for example, tvOS is 0.62. I'm guessing .2 because that's, that's what uh, React Native core is. And so those will continue to mature mm-hmm. in parallel. So that's kind of cool. So you'll have all of the identical functionality between iOS and Apple TV, you know, depending on, on what you're developing. Have you done any Apple TV stuff?
1: I haven't. Okay. Um, I don't have an Apple TV. I've got a, a Chromecast, so oh, got it. I've never really had the need or the way to actually test it out. Yeah, that's.
0: Uh, I'm cur- I'm curious about that. I'm fascinated. If uh, any listeners are doing Apple TV apps, uh, reach out uh, on Twitter at React Native Nerds. You know, I got some questions for you. I'm curious how you do that. I I have the latest Apple TV, whichever generation it is, and a four. Maybe it's a three. I have an older one. Okay. The older ones they lose support for some of the channels. So, for example, not that I'm a Disney fan at all, but when the Mandalier is that what it's called? Mandalier. Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yes. Take two. So when the Mandalorian came out, <laughs> um, it wouldn't play. All of the you know the Disney Channel app said that you needed to go you know install this new app which wasn't supported with that. Mm. The MLB app stopped streaming video. So you could listen to the games, but you couldn't watch the games. I was like, okay, well, time to upgrade anyway. Yeah. I'm just curious about that whole ecosystem. Do you actually need to have an Apple TV sitting there with a test television? And is it like you want to have multiple televisions to test on, you know, Mm. like, is it, is it as crazy device related garbage? Like you're doing with uh with apps <laughs> where you need five and a six and a seven and an eight, you know. So I'm curious about that. Right.
1: I guess the perk of working with the T V is like they all pretty much have the the same aspect ratio within a very small margin. That sixteen by nine aspect ratio. I think four yeah, four K is gonna be sixteen by nine as well I think Okay. Well there you well,
0: go. <laughs> I'm sure I could probably go watch a YouTube video on creating Apple TV apps. There's probably something out there. Yeah,
1: it'd be interesting. So, like with Apple TV, do you like use the actual apps through their app store? Because what I found with Chromecast, all I do is I've got the app on my phone, be it YouTube, Disney Plus, whatever it may be. I start it on my phone, and then I just cast it from my phone to the TV. And mm-hmm. I've just found that to always be the the fastest way to use Chromecast for me. With
0: Apple TV, it's kind of neat. So we have Hulu, Prime Video. Netflix, and then Apple TV. And it's kind of cool because you can go straight into those individual apps. If you want to just go watch something on Netflix, you can go straight in there. But if you open up the Apple TV app, that actually bubbles up all of the episodes and things that you've been watching through Apple TV. So for example, if you're in the middle of a TV show on Hulu, if there's a new episode coming out, it will actually display as available in the Apple TV app. So it centralizes all of the apps that you have running in there, which is super convenient because half the time I can't remember which app to go to, to watch the show. Right. So it's kind of nice in that aspect. I do not. Oh my goodness. I do not like their remote. It drives Mm. me nuts. And I don't know if it's because I'm (laughs) old, but it's, I mean, it's big enough. We always used to lose the older remote. It was this little silver thing and it always slide into the cushions because it was metal, you know, super slippery. Right. This one is like half metal, half plastic or whatever, but, it has a couple buttons, a menu button, volume, you know that sort of thing. There's this touch area in like the upper third of the remote, just like a magic mouse. You can swipe left, right. You can left click, right click to fast forward and reverse, and rewind. And I don't know, it's super sensitive, and I'll mm-hmm. I've gotten stuck in these weird loops sometimes. Somehow, somehow, haven't googled this. I could, and then it wouldn't be a thing. <laughs> somehow I ended up with the show I was watching in a picture-in-picture window down in the right-hand corner, and then the Apple TV (laughs) menu was focused. And I could not for the life of me figure out how to refocus on the picture-in-picture window. And so everything I was doing on the remote was happening in the background. Oh, my gosh. It was so frustrating. Uh, What is cool about the Apple remote, though, is you can do voice search. So you go to the okay. search screen and you hit the, the microphone button and you can say, you know, whatever show you're watching and uh, it'll automatically pull that up. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all that to say, if you're developing okay. for Apple TV, you know, I'm curious how that goes. And if you have a cool app that you want to let us tell everyone about, let us know. You know, I'd be happy to do a shout yeah. out if uh, if you tweet at us with some app that you're building, especially games or something. I haven't done anything. I mean, I we literally have like, Three or four apps installed. Definitely. So if you guys are developing something cool, you know, let me know because I'll install it in a heartbeat. Right. <laughs> so moving on, uh, this version also has Logbox. Now, Logbox is interesting. I know everybody listening to this podcast knows what Yellow Box is because you get these yellow warnings that can be super super annoying and sort of stack mm-hmm. up depending on you know, whatever warnings you might have. And typically the first thing you do is Google, how do I hide this? And you go in and add all these exceptions, right? (laughs) You know, it's
1: true. warnings. There you go.
0: Exactly. Yep. So logbox actually compresses these down into a little, what would you call it? Just a little box. I mean, it's almost like yeah, a toast just, notification. Like it's about that size. Right, it doesn't similar. slide up and disappear. It's there with, with a, close but, a close X. But it it's just shrunk down to a one-liner at the bottom of your screen, which is great. And then if you click on it, then it expands and you can see everything, all of your warnings. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool.
1: And you can d- dismiss all of them at one time, which I have yes. very
0: nice. Yes, that's very sweet. Yep, click the X and they're gone. Then it also handles general errors in the exact same way, except the errors are red as opposed to the warnings, which are yellow. So they show up in the same form factor box at the bottom. You can clear them all out with with, uh, the close X, close button. And so that's pretty cool. The render errors, however, still go full screen. And Mm -hmm. when I first saw this, I was like, well, why is this any different than what has happened in the past? But it makes total sense because if you have a render error, nothing rendered to the screen, so there's no reason to compress that down and show you a blank screen, you know, because you're gonna probably click on this to expand it anyway. The styling is nice, the fonts are nice, the colors are a little more muted than the yeah red,
1: the alert, are-
0: red alert screens that would pop up before. The information is pretty much the same. Uh, I was comparing error messages in uh, a blog about Logbox, which, be, which is in the show notes. And you can see what the old screen, the black and red screen looked like, and then how they sort of move information around a little bit. I don't know if it's necessarily more helpful because it's pretty much all the same stuff, but it, it's not as offensive, I guess. <laughs> it's a little more <laughs> styled, a little more professional. You know, it adds a little more legitimization to uh, React Native because the error messages don't look like some developer just, they just typed in <laughs> color equals red. And uh, spit right. that out. So, so that's kind of nice. So log box is pretty sweet. It's pretty nice. But you know, we don't write errors, so we're not seeing any of these things, right?
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the yellow yellow box just temporarily until I just ignore it.
0: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so to sort of push Flipper again, if you're getting these errors, warnings, or render errors, you know, there will be more information in Flipper probably very similar information to what's being dumped on the screen, but I know that's sort of abbreviated on the screen as well. And uh, Flipper has those full dumps.
1: The other perk of that that I found is just, uh, for example, like if you write code that doesn't use a hook quite right, it typically will have a link to some resource where you can learn more about why that issue existed. Oh, nice. Within Flipper or if you go through it through the Chrome console, those links are actually clickable if you look at them there versus uh, in the actual simulator. So it's just, you don't have to type it or search for it. Just click the link. That's something I know I always find very useful and valuable from those types of uh, reading the error messages in those apps.
0: Yeah, Oh, that's really nice. That's super helpful. So then on to React DevTools V4, they've packaged Mm -hmm. this in, and this isn't anything you need to include. It's part of core. Basically, I'm guessing this is what's feeding all of the debug information.
1: Is that it? Or what what does
0: DevTools actually do? Yeah, so I fell on my face for research here.
1: (laughs) So I've never, I'm not always exactly sure on DevTools because I've never really gotten it to work. But if you look in Flipper, you can kind of see your entire component tree and interact with the component tree by changing props or whatever it may be. Kind of like you can with HTML and Chrome Tool. Just React DevTools is allowing you to actually see your components versus seeing the rendered views and text and/or divs and p tags, whatever it may be. React DevTools is giving you the actual components you write. You can look at those, see them, and interact with those. Um, and that's what DevTools is doing. And that's going into Flipper, which, as with Flipper, it just creates a great development experience. So you can interact with your app via the the final rendered component tree
0: okay excellent and i just did uh, a quick google to sound smart and it's basically available in chrome firefox and chromium edge so that's okay when you're looking at the inspector in those browsers that's uh react dev tools got it i know that flipper does um leverage DevTools as well Mm -hmm. you know sort of drilling down and accessing stuff live and all that so that's what DevTools gets you so that's pretty cool there are also Mm -hmm. some accessibility improvements I'm just going to read from the notes because I'm not a pro with all this but basically they've made improvements including adding accessibility value um, missing props on touchables on sliding complete accessibility events and changing the default role of sw- the switch component from button to switch. And I think all of that just rolls up. And from the quick reading that I did on accessibility, this is you know something that was super important to me for web app development. And unfortunately, I'm ashamed to say it hasn't been for mobile app development, but absolutely needs to be. So it's, it's something that I'm definitely going to read up on and learn as I'm digging into uh, 62 six, two and building mm-hmm. out this new app, but they sound important. And if you're using accessibility in an app, you know, let us know because I'm curious yeah, how these affect you. If this is a shocking change, if these are awesome improvements, I can't really comment on whether these are really great or not. I would imagine if they've been added that they're important and that. React Native continually is making improvements for accessibility. Again, adding to the legitimization. We should drink every time I say that. <laughs> to do a drinking game.
1: Might be a little early for that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, maybe.
1: It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> exactly.
0: So then there's also with any release, there's breaking changes. You can look at, you know, the blog post and the change log for, for more information on these. But they remove prop types. They remove accessibility states with an S in lieu of accessibility state, singular. And reading through that, that sort of made okay. sense, you know, why they changed it from plural to singular. And then there's some text input changes that you, you might want to look at if you have forms on your screen or, you know, typing into a text box, text area that may or may not, you know, affect you depending on how you are utilizing that. And some deprecations, you know, I'm not actually going to read these. I pasted them into the notes, but, you know, I link over to the change log and the blog posts that that talk about all of these sorts of things. Really I guess the next thing about 062 is like what do you do if you're going to upgrade?
1: Upgrading is a bit of a pain. But fortunately, there's one really good resource. That's the react-native upgrade helper. I know I've never had great success with the I think it's react-native upgrade command. It just never worked for me like I've always got some native stuff and it just didn't work out well. So what react-native upgrade helper is Basically, you choose what React Native version you're on and what version you want to go to. And then it takes the base default app that you would get when you say React Native Init, and it gives you every single diff between those two versions. So that Mm, even if you're going from 0.58 to 0.62, one, that's going to be painful, but it'll show you every single change that you're going to have to make in your project. It's all going to be manual. Like you need to upgrade your patch.json and then you're going to have to dive into your iOS directory and your Android directory to make this upgrade. But it shows you every single change that you're going to have.
0: Does all that scroll by on the screen? Or does it create a pull request if you're hooked up to Git? Or like how do you get that information?
1: It's displayed very similar to how you would see basically like review a pull request on github it'll show you what's been deleted will be in red what's okay. been added will be in green and that that's kind of the way it's displayed so yeah it looks just like a pull request and i think that's what's actually working underneath the surface is they basically got a version of the app in every single version and then they just they show you that diff between the two with that It's the most basic React Native app. If you work on a React Native app for any amount of time, you're going to have native dependencies. You're going to have intricacies, even if it's just changing your app name that shows on the user's home screen before they open the app. That's going to add other confusions in there. And as you get started with React Native and you're not familiar with native iOS or Android development, there's a lot of extra stuff there that, you know, even working with this for like four years full time, I don't know what's going on. I still won't say I'm an iOS developer or an Android developer because I'm still like walking around confused all the time when I go into the iOS directory. But if you do run into some sort of issue, the React Native community, I think it's React Native community, has put together an upgrade support repository where you can go ahead and open up an issue, explain what's going on or what your situation is, and get some community help to try and figure out what the heck is going on. Because there always are these little edge cases. And until you're familiar with the native side of things, they can be very daunting and confusing. And before you know it, you're 16 versions behind on React Native and don't know how the heck you're going to upgrade. So that's a really nice resource that recently came out uh, that I, I hope will help a lot of people. So long as you open up a, a quality issue and explain uh, what's going on, that's, that's a big thing. Like Give a lot of information on what's going on, uh, where you start or where you're trying to go. And then kind of those intermediate steps that helps people who are answering your questions out a lot when trying to
0: help you. Took a look at that oh, this week. It looked pretty good. There was only a handful of issues with uh, people actually using it. But I imagine that the React Native community jumping in and helping you know, figure that stuff out will be really good. Mm-hmm,
1: for sure. So is there anything else you can think of? I don't think so. I mean, there's there's always more, but I think too kind of a high-level O62, which we've referenced in, I think, every episode we've done so far. We have, we have. <laughs> uh, it's a good high-level overview. What the heck this version is and uh, why you should really consider upgrading to it. And, like, I've said this in private a bunch of times to a bunch of people, but even though it is kind of painful to upgrade React Native versions, it's worth it because every version just gets so much better. And it's already really good. And we're getting a lot of things that kind of make React Native this even better development environment that allows us to build better, more legitimate native mobile apps that you know work and work well for all users, regardless of however they interact with that app, each version makes it easier and better for us to interact with yeah, those users. Yeah, I
0: wholly agree. And what's really interesting, um, I forgot to say in the beginning, I was on Reddit and somebody asked for tutorials on getting started, you know, whatever, whatever. And I was like, oh, you got to go look at React Native School with Spencer, Carly, you know, he has some free stuff. So I'm always shilling your stuff out, man. It is so funny. (laughs) So hopefully hopefully, you get somebody new. I got a couple upvotes, my first couple upvotes ever on Reddit. Woo! So um, somebody must either know you or, um, you know, actually checked it out and were like,
1: oh, yeah, this is some good stuff. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, I'm actually going to be releasing a new, like, Getting started with React Native from nothing free course uh, here in the next, hopefully, week. Um, and hopefully that'll be a really good resource. Excellent. 2020 excellent. updated to really dive into React Native and get that that good foundation going so you can build awesome React Native apps.
0: Oh, that's great. Very cool. So do you go back and just re- record from the ground up? Yeah, that's what or I did. Or do you just so, replace specific videos
1: no i I re-recorded this whole thing from the ground up using the same app but i've gone ahead and kind of replaced redux with hooks and context um and basically like i originally built this course in 2017 it's super super dated and now it's kind of upgraded with all the latest all the latest and greatest dare i say of react native development and it's super super happy with how the course has turned out all the content's done i just got to kind of finish the the uh marketing side of all that
0: cool so go check that out everybody Uh, when that comes out it'll be free Mm -hmm. and uh, that'll get you hooked you know the first one's (laughs) free and then uh, you know you'll want to just jump in (laughs) and subscribe to react native school right he's really not paying me to push this at all i mean for real yeah i
1: gotta set you up with an affiliate account (laughs) that's
0: right yeah yeah see my link in the show notes (laughs) (laughs) and i'll get like a nickel every time you guys register right (laughs) All right. Well, I guess that's about it. That's all I had. So until next time, guys, we'll see you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening. You can get show notes and leave comments at reactnativenerds.com.